This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. But we did run into a couple of uh, park rangers and this surprised me because they were along the side of the creek, and they were fishing. And I look over, and they had a little camp skillet set up, and they were catching trout and eating them. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't think the park rangers are supposed to be eating the animals in the park. <laughs> Isn't that against the rules? <laughs> This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, stories from our journey to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. Zion National Park in Utah has some of the most unique and legendary hikes in all the national parks. You've got Angel's Landing, the Narrows, and the Subway, which is the topic of today's episode. That's right. The Subway is a very picturesque slot canyon section in the Zion Wilderness, where the rock wall is shaped like a subway tube. Getting there requires a permit and a strenuous nine-mile round-trip hike. Now, there are two different ways to hike to the Subway, and we'll be talking about our experience along the route we took, the bottom up. We'll also explain everything you need to know about how the permit process works, what you need to bring with you, and when's the best time to do the hike. <laughs> Lots of fun coming up next. So before we get started, a quick update on our Kula Cloth gear review from a few weeks ago. I know everyone has been anxiously waiting for an update. Did it dry out? <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to go feel Did it and see? Did you wash it? It's a pea cloth. I always wash it after every hike. Okay. So the Kula Cloth team somehow found out that we had talked about their product in that podcast episode. Yeah, because I emailed them a clip. I know you did. <laughs> and was not asking anything from them other than to let them know we talked about their product. I know, and I'm really glad you did because as a thank you, they sent us, well, they actually sent it to me because it's it's for women, a custom Kula cloth, a very, very special one. Yeah, it had a picture on it. They customized it. It has a picture of the wave on it. Well, it has a picture of us at picture, the wave on yeah, it. Yeah, it has a picture of us. Yeah. So... I'm not sure how I feel about my face on a pea cloth. That's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but it's great. 
<laughs> Thank you to the Cool Cloth people. It is great. It's very special. And every time I use it and I, I see your face, Matt, <laughs> I'll yeah. think of you. How do you know I don't use it? <laughs> it's not for men. <laughs> well, okay. Can we, can we stop talking about pee now? We can. It's time to move on to our topic today, which is a very incredible hike that we did at the end of September of this year, which is the Zion Subway hike. Yeah, I've noticed you've you've gotten a lot of wish bucket items checked off this year and they show on your social media posts. Yeah, I actually found out about the subway hike on social media. I'd seen some photos of this subway rock formation and it's really incredible looking. So when I did some research into the hike and I found out that unlike some other Zion hikes, you don't have to go out on a a cliff edge a thousand feet above the ground and hang on to a chain. I thought, hey, maybe this is for me. <laughs> yeah, there were no thousand foot drop offs. There are a few few drop offs. So what is it? So what is the subway hike? It's actually a hike up the left fork of North Creek. And and the subway is a section of North Creek. So it's a tight canyon where water has rushed through and carved a half tunnel shaped indention into the cliff wall. And if you look at it from an angle, it kind of looks like it's a tube. And to get to the subway, you're walking in the creek for a big part of the hike. Right. After we won permits for the subway hike, I started Googling it so I could read people's blog posts about their experience hiking to the subway. You know, I just wanted to get a feeling of what we were in for. You Google quite a bit. I, I Google all the I'm, time. I'm getting messages from Google <laughs> to say, like, our subscription has, you, you've exceeded your subscription allowance to Google. I didn't know that that was a thing, but you're Googling everything, like rare diseases that you have. Um, well, sometimes there's a strange ache, a strange pain, and then I have to look up what that is. And then it's like, yeah, it's some incurable disease that I have. Yeah, Google's going <laughs> to shut you off. It should. Um, but anyway. In addition to the blog posts I found about the subway, which actually were really helpful, this news story came up about a man who was doing the same hike on a snowy February day two years ago, and he got stuck in quicksand. Mm. When I was a kid, quicksand was one of the things I feared the most. Really? Oh, yeah. Worrying that I would get caught in quicksand which I've never seen in my life. I thought it was a little bit terrifying, especially when you hear the story. I know you wanted me to bring a rope. (laughs) <laughs> so that we're going to tie that rope around your waist. And yeah, then... so you could pull me out. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was this. Ryan, the hiker, and his girlfriend were about three hours into the subway hike when she tripped and her hands and knees got stuck in quicksand. Does she have a name? Um, you know, we're just going to call her the girlfriend. The girlfriend. Okay, oh, yeah. the girlfriend. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. She probably does. It was not mentioned sure in the article. I'm sure she does have a name. <laughs> Anyway, Ryan was able to free his girlfriend, but as he's digging her out, he's been sinking himself. And when she becomes free, then his entire leg has been swallowed up. So now she's trying to free him, but the freezing water keeps refilling the hole that she's dug. Yeah, this is exactly the nightmare I had growing up. <laughs> yes, I can see why. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, there's no cell service out there. So Ryan finally convinces her that she has to hike out for help. And she doesn't want to leave him because she's afraid that he's going to die out there all alone. 
Now, at this point in the story, I don't know who has it worse, Ryan or, or his girlfriend. Yeah, I think Ryan's got it pretty bad. He's in the wilderness, stuck in quicksand. Yeah, no, not a good situation. So his girlfriend hikes back on the trail for three hours until she gets a cell signal. Then she calls for help and rangers meet her at the trailhead. And at that point, they had to treat her for hypothermia. And also to make things worse, the sun is setting. It's getting dark. Yeah, not a good, not a good scenario. It's not. Now, after several hours of searching, the rangers found Ryan still in the quicksand, and he was suffering from exposure, hypothermia, and extremity injuries. And I guess it took them hours to dig him out of the quicksand. So in this article, there was a quote from him. Yeah, what did he say? Ryan said, quote, the water was so cold, I thought I was going to lose my leg. I was in the water for 11 hours total. There were two snowstorms while I was waiting, just sitting in the water. It was pouring snow, unquote. Yeah, that's that's really a tragic situation, even though he got out. Yes. Right? We don't want to make light of the of the situation. No, in fact, the only reason we're telling this is because it has a happy ending. Okay, great. Uh, yes. Now, rangers spent the night out there tending to Ryan as the temperatures plummeted. And due to the extreme weather, it took until that next afternoon before a helicopter could arrive to take him out. And the search and rescue team told him he was very lucky to be alive and to fully recover. So what an incredible story. Yeah, and it made me want to do the hike even more after you told me that. <laughs> because you were thinking about the quicksand. I'm like, I'm going to get stuck in quicksand. It's going to snow on me. <laughs> Maybe the rangers will come back and, and pull me out. Maybe not. Uh, yeah, so uh, again, it is it is a great story that he made it out and he was fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you do have to, I mean, when you go out into the wilderness you have to be prepared for unexpected and and strange things that could possibly happen. Absolutely. You don't even know what could happen out in the wilderness, and anything can happen in the wilderness. Um, I should mention, as we're talking about wilderness, that you do need a wilderness permit to do this hike, and, and we'll get to that in a minute. You get to the trailhead for this hike by actually leaving the park. You drive west of the park on Highway 9, and then you take a a right if you're going that direction north on Kolob Terrace Road at the town of Virgin, Utah. Mm-hmm, the turnoff. The turnoff, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and then you drive that road north, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes to the trailhead for the left fork. And, it, and it's well marked. And there's a pretty good sized parking lot there. Right. And that's about the point you go back into the national park um, before then you're just driving along private property. Right. Now, this is confusing because I know we, when we did a post on Instagram, people were confused. There are two ways to do this particular hike. There is the top-down version or there is the bottom-up version. And basically what that means is top-down, you are canyoneering, and bottom-up, you are hiking. And we did the bottom up. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk a little bit about the top-down, but we haven't done that, so we don't have first-hand knowledge of that. That's right. It is a hike. You have to do some rappelling and canyoneering. If you look at descriptions of the top-down hike, it'll be listed as a very strenuous nine-and-a-half-mile hike from the trailhead, the Wildcat Canyon Trailhead, all the way to the Left Fork Trailhead where we parked. And so it's a one-way through hike when you're doing top-down because you don't you don't go back up to where you started. Now, if you do bottom-up, that's an out and back because you don't go bottom up and then keep going to the top. 
Did that make sense? That made sense. And so people doing the top down, you either have to have two cars because you're starting at one parking lot and ending at another, or a lot of people leave their car at the um, left fork trailhead, which is where we parked, and then they'll get a lift. They'll, they'll have somebody drop them off at the upper trailhead. So, so that's also what's different from the top down versus the bottom up. Another thing that's different, we were just chatting about this last night, is I was watching a YouTube video about the top down. And not only does it require rappelling, you have to have 60 feet of rope and a harness and, and all that. You also have to swim through pools of deep water. It's, this is not this is not clear, cool water that <laughs> you would be tempted to just splash around and maybe even take a drink of. Like, no. no, this was brown, stagnant water that people were swimming through. And it was a little creepy, too, not just because it was brown, but because because they were swimming through slot canyons where the walls got really narrow. And at one point, they kind of had to duck under this rock area and hold their breath and swim out. And boy, after watching that, I thought, no. Yeah, (laughs) we're we're not doing that. (laughs) No, I'm really glad that we didn't attempt it and we did the bottom up. But since we're on that topic, whether it's top down or bottom up, the water in the creek is not drinkable. It has a bacteria in it that the the park is not even suggesting you try to boil or filter. You really need to bring all your water with you. Now, it wouldn't be the end of the world if, if you know, some splashed in your mouth or what have you. But uh, don't think that, oh, great, I'm hiking up a creek. I'm not going to take a whole lot of water. I'll, I'll just filter as you go. That's that's not going to happen. Now, there is a toxic algae bloom, apparently, in, in various water sources throughout the park. So they do caution you about that, about bringing all the water you want to drink. But we're going to spend the majority of our time on this episode talking about bottom up. Yes. The bottom up is a nine mile total round trip out and back hike you're basically following the left fork of the North Creek the entire way. And the National Park Service lists this as a strenuous hike that requires route finding, creek crossings, and scrambling over boulders. And boy, (laughs) does it require scrambling over boulders. Yeah. Okay. So the (laughs) other thing on this, that it's listed as a nine mile round trip, but... There's a lot of meandering back and forth across the creek, and if you if you record your time on an app like the Gaia app, you might get back to the trailhead after the end of the hike, and it says 11 miles or 12 miles, because it's not necessarily a straight line. It's definitely not a straight line. Now, as I mentioned earlier, before you can hike to the subway, you have to get a permit. And now they have an online lottery that you enter two months ahead of the date you want to go. And this online lottery is from lasts from April to October, which I guess that means if you want to hike it November through March, you don't need a permit. And I don't think that's an ideal time to go, as Ryan found out, because of snow and frigid temps and, and of course, quicksand. So to be clear on that, if you want to hike it on September 15th, do you get on July 15th that day or July 1st? To enter the lottery. You have the entire month of July to enter for September. So okay. you, so, so, you, so it's two months ahead for the month in which you want to hike. Right. Got it. 
Now, when you apply online, you get three date choices. So your first, second, and third, and it does cost $5 every time you apply. That's non-refundable, and that does not go towards the cost of the permit, which is either $15, $20, or $25 if you win, depending on how big your group is. And so you you specify how many people are in your group when you do the application for the permit? Absolutely. Uh, Okay. The limit on group size is 12 people, which really seems like a big group, doesn't it? That's a lot. It does. And the good and kind of the bad thing about this is they only issue 80 permits per day. And that's 80 people, not Mm -hmm. uh, 80 groups of people. The 80 people, that's spread across top down and bottom up. And about 75% of the applicants do bottom up. Yes. Yeah. And the other rule is you can't hire a guide to take you on this route. That's right. In the Zion wilderness, they have a rule about no guided trips. So you are on your own. <laughs> and yes, when you do apply, you apply specifically for bottom up or top down. There, there are two different applications for that. Those are the details for how to get a permit. However, as we say on all of these things, check the website Mm -hmm. before you start this process because sure enough, it'll all change by the time you you hear this. It did change because when I had looked a year ago, the process was different. So that's really good advice. Now, when you have won your permit and your, your hiking day is coming close, just know that you do have to pick up your permit in person at the Wilderness Center, which is in the main visitor center. Yeah, in, right, right there north of Springdale. Exactly. Yeah. We went the day before and got in line and picked up our permit. Yeah, and just, just so you know, you're supposed to have that permit with you uh, in your group. I put it in a little baggie just in case I went under in the creek and, and got swamped and all my stuff got wet. And yes, we did run into rangers. And yes, they did ask for the to see the permit. So when we picked up our permit in person, of course, the ranger was full of all kinds of helpful advice. I think I remember the first thing she told us, and maybe this was because she got a good look at us. She told us that search and rescue gets called out there almost every day. Yeah. Spoiler alert. They weren't called out for us, but (laughs) there were some other folks on the trail that, that may have called them later. Yeah, so that already put kind of a worry in my mind because I just wondered what is going on out there that they have to go out and rescue people besides a a quicksand rescue. She also told us that this hike, it's almost impossible to get lost on if you follow the creek. The creek leads to the subway and apparently people don't always do that and they climb up and they they yeah, get the, lost. Yeah, if you're doing a lot of climbing on the bottom up trail, you most likely are going down a dead end. There is some climbing because you're having to go on the shore to get around some particularly difficult spots of, of the creek. But yeah, if you're heading up to the ridge of the canyon, you're going the wrong way. So it's pretty straightforward. Follow the creek, get to the subway. So she also told us she highly recommended that we have trekking poles. And of course, guess yeah. what we forgot yeah, to pack th- on those the trip? Are, those are at home. <laughs> Our really nice yeah. trekking poles. <laughs> yeah, so we, we went to the we went to the gift store in the visitor center and bought cheapo trekking poles, one each, and they are helpful. You're going through the creek, and and sometimes you can't always see what's down at the bottom, and, and some of those rocks are pretty mossy and slippery, and you do need that third point. You to, do to study yourself. We talked about that on our Zion Narrows hike podcast episode, which was number six. 
And it's, it is exactly like that. The rocks in the river, and quite frankly, the rocks everywhere that were wet were very, very slippery. And so you do need that extra support on the side there. Yeah, but the cheapo trekking poles work just fine. As the ranger told us, you could just find a stick along the way, and and that would work too. So you sure. don't, don't have to go out and buy anything. But uh, yeah, you need something. You do need something. Um, Now, as we said, you have to carry all of your own water on this hike. She recommended four liters, which was a lot. Uh, I think our backpack was full of almost just water. And I actually did carry four liters. I did too. And I drank three of it. Mm -hmm. uh, And it wasn't a particularly warm day. It was was actually really good weather, kind of mild. And so, yeah, if it had been a midsummer day, we would have needed all four liters. Absolutely. And she said we needed to have a map with us, a map that we have downloaded, or, or they do sell paper maps in the bookstore there at the visitor center. She she did tell us do not use all trails. Yeah, that was her opinion. She said the all trails map uh, gets edited a lot, and sometimes it gets edited by people who go off in the wrong direction. Anyway, we used Gaia, and it's an open enough canyon that your phone can get the GPS signal, which is what Gaia works off of. Just one tip, though. You do have to download the topographical map for the area you're hiking before you lose cell service. Once it's on your phone and and the map is stored in memory, all your phone needs is a GPS signal to follow the map. So if you lose cell service, it still works. That Gaia app has saved our butts many, many times. Right. We should pay them some money. We do. (laughs) Once a year, we do. (laughs) It's it's a fee-for-service application. (laughs) We should pay them more money. No, no. It's well worth it, but we don't have to pay them any more than they ask for. Matter of fact, we talk about it so often, they should pay us. Anyway. No, it's it's a great it's a great application. One uh-huh. other thing, flash flood danger. As in any canyon, you gotta be concerned about the the weather conditions. You don't want to go into tight canyons when there's a threat of rain. However, most of this trail, at least the bottom up, the canyon is open enough that if there was a flash flood, you could hike to high ground mm-hmm. pretty easily. Right. The only exception is right there in the subway section. That's tight, and you wouldn't be able to hike out. Quite frankly, you could probably run to one end or the other mm-hmm. pretty quick to, to get out of it. Anyway, it's something to be aware of, but it, it's not that big of a deal on this particular hike. Right. So that was good news. So what to wear on this hike? You know, there is always a big debate about the kind of shoes that you should wear when you're hiking in water. It seems like when we post these uh, hiking in water shots on our Instagram, people are always commenting because we like to do it in hiking boots and our socks for the ankle support, for the tread on the bottom of the boots. But, you know, a lot of people get blisters when they do that. We saw people on this hike who rented water boots, not so much water shoes. I see now that they're running full ankle height hiking boots, but kind of made for water, which I'm sure those work just fine. We just go in with our hiking boots. Now, that said, it was the end of the trip, so I knew I wouldn't have to use those. And I had trash bags to put them in afterwards because 
it takes them like two weeks to dry out. Well, unless you put them in the Utah sun. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. in Utah, they're drying out pretty quick. But when you bring them home, yeah, in, into the Pacific Northwest, it took a while. So the other option, obviously, are, are water sandals, right? And we saw a couple people wearing those. I thought about wearing my Keen water sandals because they have the closed toe over the top, which the ranger did recommend something with closed toes so you don't stub your toes. Anyway... You know, it's just it's just personal preference, right? Wear whatever shoes you feel like you're going to be comfortable in, but they will get wet frequently. Yeah, as far as clothing, again, I, I just wear my regular hiking clothes. I mean, I wear the cool K-U-H-L pants. Mainly I do that because on the lower parts of my legs, it, it protects me against brush and rocks and stuff that I bang up against. And so I find those just as comfortable as shorts. I, you know, I always wear long sleeve shirts, even in the hot weather, just because it. I, I don't want to put sunscreen all over my body. Definitely a hat. Yeah. Keep the yeah. sun off your head. And then, you know, extra dry clothes. I took an extra shirt, extra pair of socks, put them in a dry bag inside my day pack. I do think long pants are good. Of, of course, we saw people wearing shorts. Your legs can get banged up on those rocks very easily. Well, as, like, your, as yours did. As mine did. So I, I don't know. I think long pants are good. But again, whatever you're comfortable in, just know that whatever you wear, it's going to be wet pretty much all day long. Okay, so what to bring? Okay, so in your pack, we talked about water. Uh, bring some snacks. We always bring salty snacks. I also like to bring some noon, N-U-U-N. It's an electrolyte you can put in water. Trekking poles, you know, the, the 10 essentials. Definitely want to take on this hike a headlamp and a space blanket. And the reason I say that is it was pretty obvious to us that there were other hikers on this trail that were underestimating how long it was going to take them to get back to the trailhead. Mm -hmm. And there's only one way out. And if it happens that you're stuck in that canyon when the sun goes down and you're going to want a headlamp and you're going to want a space blanket. I would just assume that you're going to have to spend the night out there and bring what you need because anything could happen. Again, you're in the wilderness. So we did have some space blankets and we each had a headlamp. The other thing you might want to consider are putting the things that you don't want to get wet in dry bags because... While the water wasn't so deep that it hit the top of our backpacks, you could easily fall in. And there are some places that are so deep and, you know, you might want to swim. So just FYI, bring some dry bags if you've got stuff like your lunch that you don't want to be submerged right. in the oh, water. Yeah, I, I packed my day pack just assuming that it would go in. Mm -hmm. And as we said, the trailhead is about a 30-minute drive from Springdale. And when you pick up your permit, they also give you a parking pass that you put on your dashboard that lets the rangers know that you are off on this hike. It has all of your information, your permit number, and all that, so that if they are checking cars late at night and your car is still there, they know who you are and they know you're out there somewhere. Yeah, and I, and I guess that happens often. Mm -hmm, it does. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So on the morning of our hike, I had kind of hoped that we would get there at 7.30, which is when the sun comes up at the end of September. The days are already getting shorter. The sun was rising at 7.30 a.m. and setting at 7.30 p.m. But by the time we actually got up and got out there, I think it was, what, about 8.30? Yeah, and that's a that's a good start. I thought that that was early enough. By the time we were finished with the hike, I thought, well, uh, I'm glad we didn't leave any later. I was shocked because when we got to the parking lot, there were only three cars there ahead of us. I had expected there would be at least a dozen or two. And, and maybe that day, uh, that particular day, there was a lot more people doing top down. But the parking lot is big enough that I think if all 80 people start from that destination, there, there's plenty of place to park. So after we got out of our truck and, and got all of our things gathered together, we noticed there was a group of ladies who were getting out of a van. A van had dropped them off. About six ladies. And I don't know, would you say they were about our age? Yeah, yeah, they uh-huh. were about our age, maybe a little bit younger. They were very excited to do the hike. Uh, uh-huh. They hadn't done it before. It was. They told us it was their first time. Yeah. <laughs> we thought that they would be our hiking buddies the entire day. We kind of left about the same time and we heard them for a little while, but we didn't see them again for, for a few more hours. Yeah, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Okay, so when you start the hike, you go a little ways on fairly flat ground and then you hit the big descent, which is a very steep hill that you have to maneuver down to get to the creek. And that it's about a 400 foot descent. 400 foot elevation drop. When we see that a trail is a thousand foot elevation gain per mile, that's kind of that the edge of the steepness for our comfort. So this was 400 feet, and it was about a quarter of a mile at the most. It, it was pretty darn steep. It was, and it runs straight down through this ravine, very rocky. And so, you know, usually when it's that steep, they put in switchbacks, and you're making your way up. There, there were no switchbacks. It was a straight up and down. Yeah. <laughs> Not terrible to go down, but just remember, at the end of a long day of hiking, you're coming back up that trail. That's right. In full sun, you know, in the summer, it hits 100 often. So you have to save uh, save some gas in your tank for that last ascent at the end. But about uh, three quarters of a mile from the trailhead is when you get down this steep section and you hit the creek. The creek is the trail, and we've talked about hiking the narrows before where that literally the river is the trail you're hiking in the river that's not quite the same situation with this hike 
you can hike up the creek, but there are spots where it's just impassable, either due to large boulders or, or logs in the creek. So our suggestion is if you see a path on dry land, go ahead and take it because there's going to be plenty of times where you do have to hike up the creek in the water. Just from a time standpoint, also, walking in the water is very slow because it's slippery and there are all kinds of obstacles, although there were also obstacles along the trail. But the way it worked was there are trails that um, are on either side of the creek because sometimes you'll be on a trail and it dead ends at a at a rock face and you can't go anymore. So you cross cross the creek and now there's a trail on the other side and you take that for a while. And so you are constantly switching back and forth and walking in the creek as well. It was like an obstacle course though, wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was, it was like a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Like, like, where do we go next? We can see we can go 50 feet in the creek, but then there's an obstacle. So then what? And uh, yeah, so that's really why it takes so long and why a nine mile hike can turn into 10 or 11. Sure, absolutely. Uh, The other thing, as we already mentioned, it is very slippery. Um, I had a a, a pretty good fall in the creek, actually. I slipped on a boulder and went down on all fours. Uh, Yeah, I heard a a cannonball splash behind me. (laughs) I knew what that meant. I didn't want... I didn't want to turn around immediately, but I I saw you bent over in the creek. I thought I thought our hike for the day was over. I know you kept asking me if I wanted to turn around, but at that point we we were at least halfway. We had been doing it for a couple of hours, and there was no way, short of a broken bone, that I was going to turn around and go back. I when think, I was that close. Yeah, to the I subway. think the cold the cold water helped with the swelling a little bit mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I mean, it washed it, away it, the blood it washed away <laughs> the blood and it, it kept it from swelling up too fast i but. think that toxic algae blooms in the water is probably really good for wounds mm-hmm. you know you can't drink it but it's yeah. probably medicinal is what i'm thinking but the the entire hike was beautiful because you are out in the wilderness of Zion and you're looking at these gorgeous cliffs in the distance and of course you're in a beautiful creek and It's absolutely beautiful. But that last, what, half mile or so? Then it it gets even prettier, that (sighs) last half mile. And particularly, there's one spot where you reach some waterfalls. We had gotten to a couple of areas with waterfalls in the creek that that were shallow enough that you can walk up the waterfall Mm -hmm. itself. But then this set of waterfalls, they were too high and too steep to, to walk up. You don't climb up those off to the right there was a sandy path up and around the waterfalls that then kind of took you back into the creek bed mm-hmm. but that was beautiful it got a lot of great photos and then kind of when you get past those waterfalls you're almost there yeah and you can tell because the scenery starts to look very subway like meaning that this curved rock along the side that looks like you know half of a tunnel and uh, and then the waterfalls, and it was it was starting to get really spectacular. It's like a scene you would see if you went into a, a metro area and went into a subway tunnel. If it had waterfalls, if, if it had it. waterfalls, <laughs> and it were in Utah, and it was in a wilderness area. About the last mile or so, we had been we could see another couple hiking in front of us. You know, we were kind of following in their footsteps, and. 
At one point, we were about a half a mile away, and we saw that they had turned around and they were hiking back towards us. And we knew they couldn't have already reached the subway and come back. So they came up to us. Yeah, I thought maybe that they were like in an argument or something and had decided to to turn back. I said, well, where are you going? And they pulled out a map and they pulled out their All Trails application on their phones. And they, they were trying to convince us that we had to hike up to the, the top of the cliffs to, to get to the subway. I said, I don't think that's the right way. We are not doing and, that. And so we, we pretty quickly <laughs> talked them out of that mm-hmm. and to keep continuing on with us, although we had no idea where we were going either. But uh, yeah, I, I think we saved them from a very long, frustrating afternoon. Yes, because the woman kept saying, she said that the map says you turn left when you get to the waterfall. And w- we knew from talking to the ranger that you don't have to make any turns. The creek that you are walking along turns into the subway. So we reasoned with them, and I think they they believed us. <laughs> yeah, and, and fortunately, pretty, pretty soon after that, we got to the subway, and so... Yeah. yeah, so just so you know, no turns are necessary. So it's very obvious when you get to the subway because all of a sudden you're in this slot canyon looking area and there is curved rock on the side that looks like looks like a tunnel. What I didn't expect were all of these pools of water and some of them were this gorgeous green turquoise color. Um, it was absolutely beautiful in there. And right, and some of those some were, were small and shallow and some of them were pretty deep. So you got to still have to be careful not to step off. I mean, you'll fall into a pool of water so it's not that big of a deal, but uh yeah, and so it goes around the corner and then the the walls of the canyon get pretty tight. And from there, you can get into the water and swim back to another waterfall. We did not do that. Yeah, it's a very uh, narrow slot canyon at that point with a lot of water in it. Although I will say that water was not brown. It was a really pretty blue color. Yeah. When we got to the end and saw this water in the slot canyon, there was another couple there, and they had they taken their shorts and shirts off. They had on swimming suits, and they were going for it. So we watched them. I guess it was very cold. And if you continue back through this little short slot, there is a waterfall back there, and that is the end of this particular hike. And yeah, that's that's where people coming from top down are then joining the trail that you just you just hiked on. That's right. Yeah, it's it was spectacular. The Canyon's tight enough. I don't know that the sun ever hits directly in that area. So it's the sunlight's always reflecting. We tried to wait for the sun to get to a spot where it was directly shining on the subway. And I I don't know, that time of year, I I don't think that was ever going to happen. Well, I don't think so either, because we were there at about one o'clock, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah, we probably spent a half an hour or so in the subway just taking photos and uh, enjoying this amazing place. Yeah, it was a great hike, but we knew that we had the entire trail to go back. Another four and a half miles. Yeah, so um, we headed down and we splashed through the creek a lot more going down than we did going up because I kind of... I think we realize that in some places it's like it's just as easy or easier to just go through the creek than to try to do some of the sandy paths. But about an hour later, we ran into the group of six ladies that we hadn't seen since the parking lot when we started the day. And they were pretty tired out. 
they looked exhausted and they asked us, you know, how much further do we have? And gosh, we felt so bad because, you know, they had at least an hour and they were moving slowly. So it was actually probably going to be more than an hour. And I think what Matt, you told well, them like I, 30. <laughs> I said 45 minutes and that was. <laughs> they didn't that like was, that. They did, they did not like that at all. <laughs> and that was even kind of less than they really had. And then you, you felt even sorrier for them you told them it was a half an hour and they didn't like that answer much better i know <laughs> we tried to encourage them to keep going because you don't want to get to that point and then turn around without getting there i mean it's a lot of work it's a lot of work to get to that point so anyway i'm just going to assume they made it you know we didn't see them for the rest of the day we didn't see so, them again right so hopefully we assumed, we assumed everything was fine yeah hopefully they made it and made it back out again but we did run into a couple of uh, park rangers and this surprised me cuz they were alongside the creek and they were fishing and i look over and they had a little camp skillet set up and they were catching trout and eating them. I said, I'm like, I don't think the park rangers are supposed to be eating the animals in the park. Isn't that against the rules? Uh, but they said that actually there, there's trout in that stream and they're an invasive species that are eating the other native species of fish that are in the creek. And so they're, they're actually trying to eradicate the trout. Mm-hmm. We saw a ton of trout. We did. And in fact, they told us, they said, we want to encourage everyone who comes here to fish yeah, for these trout and get them out of here. Right. Now, I don't know if everyone is allowed to, to bring a cook stove and, and fry them up. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but the rangers, they were having a fish fry. They were. You know, all those trout we saw, they were swimming in such shallow pools of water that we probably could have caught them with our hands. <laughs> and then, <You> think so? <laughs> and then instead of peanut butter sandwiches for lunch, we could have had trout. Have you like sushi ever? Yeah. Have you ever caught a fish with your hands? Do you do you no, know what you're talking right about? There. there were there were dozens and dozens of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't were you just going to eat them whole? Like you smack them on a rock and then like bite the heads off like the bears in Katmai or like what? All right. Well, <laughs> I you didn't, thought this through. I didn't think that okay. far ahead. All right. <laughs> anyway, we had a nice visit with the rangers and, and, and right as we were getting ready to go, uh, the, one of the park rangers, the young man, he's like, he said, hey, guys, did you happen to snag a permit before coming out here? <laughs> we were like, hey, we snagged we one. Snagged one. Yeah, and and we then snagged he said, one. I'm going to have to take a look at that. Yeah. And boy, I mean, he opened it up and he was reading it for a long time. So yeah. good for them. Good for them for checking. I asked him, I said, well, what do you do when people are out here with without a permit he says well first of all we tell them to turn around and have a nice day and i said well what if they're just like belligerent he said well then there will probably be a law enforcement ranger meeting them at the parking lot mm-hmm. uh so very nice uh young rangers but i mean they they were doing their job checking permits yeah and eating fish so we told them before we said goodbye to them we told them about the six women because i was getting worried about them at that point that they weren't going to make it out before dark and i don't know if they had headlamps with them so we just gave these two rangers a heads up and they said they had already met oh, yeah. ladies on the trail. <laughs> I already met them once. <laughs> and had long conversations with them. Had a long them. visit with them. Apparently what they were doing, this is pretty funny, I think, but you're not supposed to do this. They were, they were, they were so concerned about getting back 
hiking back to the trailhead once they were finished, they had brought masking tape with them and they were putting big masking tape arrows on rocks showing the way back down the trail. Now, <laughs> a couple th- things wrong with a couple that. Things wrong with that. First of all, you, you, you're not supposed to put stuff, man-made stuff, in the wilderness, and, and the rangers were taking up the uh, tape arrows wherever they could find them. Plus, it's the creek, right? Like, just follow the creek. Mm-hmm. That's the way out. Yeah. Apparently, they were not aware of the leave no trace principles yeah. in in our public lands. So the rangers had said they took down the tape arrows that these ladies had left. But about fifteen minutes later, as we were continuing on the hike, there was a big one we right on a one. rock. Yeah. yeah, it was like now it was like a scavenger hunt. I was looking for mm-hmm. arrows. That said, and all joking aside. If you do this trail, you do want to make a note, a mental note, maybe a photograph of where you enter the creek when you first start the hike and you're heading up the creek because that's where you want to exit. And we have read reports where people go past that point. They just keep going down the creek and then they don't realize that they've missed the exit from the creek until they're another mile or two down the road. Right. There is a trail sign that points you up to the parking area, but it's on the trail part next to the creek. So if you are splashing through the water, you could conceivably miss that. It was obvious for us because we were on a trail at that point. So yeah, we got up the steep part of the trail uh, just fine, but it, it's all we had to get back to the uh, trailhead, back to the truck. When we got back, I looked at my watch. It was seven and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And probably, I'm going to say, well, we had a half an hour at least of stopping time. And with lunch, let's say maybe 45 minutes. But yeah, it was it was probably seven hours of, of hiking. It was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and also, we were trying to figure out of the 80 people that, you know, had a permit to go through, we probably saw about 20 the entire day. Yeah. So when would you suggest the best time to go? You know, since we've only done it once, it's hard to say. I think spring can have really high water levels and it can be cold. So I'm not sure I would personally choose spring. And summer can be super hot, Mm -hmm. uh, dangerously hot. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I think we lucked into maybe the best time to go. The high the day we were there was 80 degrees and it was slightly overcast. So we were not in full sun. It was it was actually fantastic. As we were in and out of the water, our clothes would dry fairly quickly. I thought that was absolutely perfect. So if you're considering doing this hike and you're not really sure if you're able, one way to think about it is, are you comfortable? Are you capable of doing a 10 mile strenuous hike? Mm-hmm. You know, and if that's the case, then you're, you're probably okay. You're, you are going to have to do some scrambling. Yeah. There were a few times where it was on all four scrambling up over some boulders, some butt sliding down some things, but mm-hmm. uh, pretty much if, if you could do a 10 mile strenuous hike, then you'll be fine. And I would say anyone who has knee or hip issues, this is not the hike for no, you. No, lower the, lower body injuries or, or limitations wouldn't be good on this trail. No, this would be good for someone who, who does a lot of yoga. You have yep. to lift your legs really high and um, like you need some good range of motion, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And unfortunately, there, there are a lot of rescues and some fatalities on this trail. We were talking to the, the two rangers who were fishing and we asked them specifically about 
Why are there so many search and rescues? What's happening to people? And they told us that, you know, there are a multitude of reasons, but he said lower leg injuries, which I totally understood because I had one myself. There are, there is heat stroke, heat exhaustion, dehydration. There are falls. People get lost. There are a multitude of reasons why people need to be rescued. But I think one of the biggest issues is, is that 400 foot climb out. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of times they extract people. Because I, I asked one of the rangers, I said, well, what, what does a rescue look like? Because there's no way they're getting a like a cage or a structure down that 400 foot section. He goes, well, there's a helipad close by and they bring the rescue helicopter in and, and it lands on the rim and it drops a 300 foot line. And so they either hook somebody to a harness and then they hook them to the line and the helicopter pulls them out. If you can't get yourself out, that's what the ride out looks like. Yeah. And unfortunately, They also told us that one month before we were there, uh, a man died on that climb out. He was suffering from heat stroke, and he was only 32 years old. So it it was such a a tragic thing. There are real risks on this trail, and you just need to, to know all of this ahead of time before you go. We were beat that day when we came out of the trail. We went back to our hotel and took a shower. And I think I described us as wet noodles. (laughs) (laughs) So so it was appropriate that we went to Pizza Noodle in Springdale, Utah for dinner. (laughs) And ate like seven pizzas because we're always starving after a hike like that. And we feel like... We feel like we earned the the pizza calories, although maybe not seven pizzas. <laughs> but you know what? It was all worth it because that was one of the coolest hikes we've ever done. Oh, yeah, a- absolutely. Yeah, I'd do this hike again, although you've officially taken that wish out of your wish bucket. The wish has been taken out. Uh, the good news is that during that trip to uh, northern Arizona and Utah, I found two more wishes to put in the wish bucket. So it's actually a little bit fuller than what, it was before. <laughs> what, uh, what are the other two? <laughs> Hiking to Cardiac Canyon on the Navajo Reservation oh, yeah. with a That's Navajo right. guide. That's, That's right. That is an all-day excursion, and they take you to this um, apparently amazing canyon. So that's on my list. And plus, as we talked about in the Antelope Canyon podcast episode, I I would love to kayak on Lake Powell and go back into that that particular part of Antelope Canyon and see that for myself. Yeah, the bucket is staying full, isn't it? (laughs) I think that's the the secret to a happy life, don't you? Is to always keep your bucket full. (laughs) (laughs) Always have someplace you're dreaming of visiting. Never run out of wishes in your wish bucket. That's right. All right. Thanks to all of you for tuning in today and listening all the way to this point. And a big thank you to our new listeners in China. Yeah, I'm excited to hear you thank them in Chinese. <laughs> go, go ahead. <laughs> you know, I thought about it. I actually looked it up, but I'm so bad with stuff like that that I'm afraid I would say the wrong thing. Oh, your Chinese and, is bad? Uh, yeah. <laughs> usually it's pretty good. I've, I've noticed. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate the compliment, but yeah. I, th- I don't think I'll be doing that today. You don't want to say the wrong thing. I then. don't. That's right. I don't want to offend anyone because we're very grateful to them for tuning in. 
All right. Well, we send out an email newsletter, sometimes weekly, sometimes monthly, sometimes whenever I get around to it. And if you'd like to be on that mailing list, go to www.mattandkaren.com and there's a subscribe tab. You click on that and you just put in your email address and you'll be on our list. That's right. Should we tell people that we don't sell our email list to anybody? Is that something that we should be saying? <laughs> um, we, we don't. It's also listed in our privacy policy that's also on our website. But yeah, it's no, it's just for us to send uh, goofy suggestions and travel tips to everybody who subscribes to that newsletter. Now, next week, we're going to have our monthly mailbag episode. It's coming out a week early because of a very special Halloween episode that will drop the last Thursday of this month. You're going to drop it? <laughs> you tried to be hip? Yeah, Matt, that's that's the lingo. <laughs> yeah. You drop a pod. Yeah, the drop fact a pod. that we use the word hip and lingo <laughs> in the sentence. Does that cancel out? I all? Think <laughs> anyone under the age of 45 just stopped listening. <laughs> 